I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. Gary Jr., this would be our 100th show. So bells and whistles should go off. We're very appreciative to our listeners, and we're very appreciative to our executive producer and for you. And then basically what's going on in America from a sports perspective as well as from a political perspective, because we've enjoyed doing each and every one of our episodes. I guess it's 50 political and 50 sports episodes of our podcast. And we, uh, God willing, have many, many more to go. But, you know, we're thankful that we have this platform to be able to literally just have fun, Gary, because we really started this, you know, during the, the, the peak of, well, we didn't know it was the peak, but during the COVID period. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun. It hasn't been a, a situation that uh, either one of us have found it taxing because there's just so much to talk about from a sports perspective as well as from a uh, political perspective. So, but uh, once again, I, we thank all of you listeners for being with us for 100 episodes. And uh, hopefully you tell a friend. Yes, I'd like to thank all the listeners as well uh, for you know coming every Tuesday and Friday and listening to our podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with your sentiment, Gad. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, this is fun for all of us. And please describe. Okay, so this week, Gary, uh, it's been rather interesting. What, what do you want to talk about? Well, um, is there anything new that happened um, in the infrastructure bill? Wow. Okay. Yes. It was a cringe moment. And I'm going to talk about a story that occurred back when I was in office because I'm digressing here, but people will be able to see why I'm talking about this story. The infrastructure situation went through some twists and turns this week. And I thought that at one point, we had a very successful negotiations between Democrats and Republicans because there are a group of 20 senators that were working on this. And 10 of them went over to the White House and ironed out the differences and five Republicans, five Democrats. And the bottom line was they had an agreement. The president agreed. They walked out to the horseshoe area at the White House, which I had the great privilege of being able to have a press conference there many years ago. And they talked about their agreement. It was fantastic. In fact, I, I almost went on Twitter at that very moment to praise the president and to praise the senators, Democrat and Republicans, for working and getting this done in a bipartisan-type manner. And then it all changed, Gary. It all changed. I don't know what it was, but I started to see knives come out. And I saw the Republican senators with their back turned. And all of a sudden, I saw knives being put right in their backs, each one, simultaneously. Why? Because the president had a news conference in which he said, hey, what I just did on infrastructure with the Republicans, unless we get $5 trillion more, I ain't buying it not going to sign one without another bill simultaneously for five, four to $5 trillion 
being right next to it. Now, Gary, you know, I said this last week. I said they were going to do this last week. I said it last week, folks. Go back to show number 99. You'll see I predicted this. I said it. Said it. Predicted it. Said they would do it. So, now, all of the Republicans feel as though they were just blindsided and tricked. Now, now I digress to the 90s when I was in office. I was asked to be on a TV show called The Montel Williams Show. And you can try to Google this show. They had four congressmen on the show. I cannot think of the, of the names of all of them, however. So it's myself, uh, Congresswoman Nita Lowry, who went on to become chairman of the Appropriations Committee. Congresswoman Susan Molinari, a fellow Republican from the Northeast, she was from New York, and he had another congressman, and I believe it was, in fact, I think it was the a congressman from New Mexico, I think it was, I don't want to mention his name because I, I may be wrong, so anyhow, we were on this show, and we all thought it was nice to be on this, at the time, popular TV show, and, you know, we thought we were going to go on the show talking about congressional issues and how Democrats and Republicans can work together and have worked together, et cetera. And so everything was hunky-dory. The producer comes out and says, hey, you know, we're going to start the show in about two minutes. And then he warmed up the audience. Everybody, we're sitting there, you know, thinking that's going to be a fun show to be on. And then, Gary, we heard the introduction. And here we are, the Montel Williams show. And we got before you today four congressmen who picked their nose. These congressmen picked their nose all the time. And we're going to talk to them in just 30 seconds. The congressmen who picked their nose. Now, we're all looking at each other like, what the hell did we sign up for? Now, obviously, I changed the topic. It wasn't pick your nose. But it was something equally as embarrassing, okay? So... We're looking at this like we were tricked. We were, uh, you know, hoodwinked. We were set up. And then Montel Williams walks out and smiles at us and gives us all a little wink and says, yes, here we are. Why did you pick your nose, Congressman? Let's start with this one here and let's go through the whole thing. One hour of that type of show. And we both, all of us left there saying, this is really sad that they stoop to this level for the sake of ratings. Well, I felt the same way about the five senators who went over to the White House, had the horseshoe press conference with the president, along with five Democrats, said how great things were about the infrastructure, how bipartisanship was so great. This is like the good old days. And within minutes, Biden blew that all up by saying, if they don't pass the other $5 trillion, he will never sign the other bill on, their, on true infrastructure. They had a knife stuck in their back. Now, the president came out on Saturday and said, well, I, I, I kind of meant that. I didn't know. I did. Maybe I meant it, but I didn't mean it. I meant it, but I didn't mean it. So that's why I don't mean it. Something to the equivalent of that. He did that because on Friday, you know, the Republicans finally woke up and said, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. One Republican said that, you know, all they're doing is trying to, well, we've been, we've been hoping. They, they, they said various things. I don't want to put words in their mouths because I don't want to misquote any of them. But a number of them said they're going to back off. Senator 
Moran, Senator Graham, Lindsey Graham, both said, hey, we got, we're not, we're not, we're not part of this. They were working to get some type of bipartisan agreement. And then the president came out with a statement. Now, he didn't even do a press conference. He just sent a statement that said all those googly gobbly words and twisting macaroni. And some of them are actually buying it. That's, that's, the, that's the real scary part. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Did you realize that you got a knife in your back? And, you know, well, you know, the president took it back. Okay, let's make that. Let's, let's fix that. Okay. You, you got a knife in your back, and now the president has taken it back. So let, the, let me give you the equivalent of that, Republican senators, if you don't get it. That's like having a knife in your back, which I said you did. Okay, you had a knife in your back. You all agree with that, right? You got a knife in your back. It's like the president took the knife out, okay? Does that make it better? You're going to bleed to death. You're going to bleed to death. And you're going to have a scar. If you don't bleed to death, you're going to have a scar forever. That's the result of having a knife in your back. And even if they take it out, doesn't mean you're not going to die. Okay? Doesn't make it much better. Other than the fact that when you die, they won't have to take the knife out in order to put you in the casket. It'll been taken out already. Wake up, folks. Wake up, senators on the Republican side. That's what happened to you. Learn from that. Speaker Pelosi and Senator Schumer, they haven't changed. They have said, hey, you're not leaving the progressives. I don't know how progressive they are. You're not leaving the socialists behind. I mean, the liberals behind, whatever you want to call them. You're not leaving them behind. We got to get our $5 trillion. Do you know what you want to spend? No, we don't know yet, but you know, we'll work on that. And, then, and whenever we pass this, the infrastructure, we'll pass that the same day. Well, that could be like months from now because you haven't even started. Yeah, I bet that's right. <laughs> so you're going to hold up infrastructure until, yeah, that's right. Because we can't trust our moderate Democrats because they'll, 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 they'll roll, they'll roll us. They'll just pass the infrastructure and never deal with the $5 trillion. Yeah, that's right. That wouldn't be that bad. But no, for them, no, 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 no. they can't trust them. So they're going to make them, the Democrats, toe the line. The moderate Democrats, total line, and they're gonna use the Republicans to show bipartisanship when it's not bipartisanship. Because what they want is everything. I said it last week. I said it last week. Please go back to show ninety nine. I told you that they want all of it. They want everything, and they just want to use any Republican that would like to trust these folks. They want to use them. Now it's sad because, I, as I said before, I was within seconds of writing a tweet commending the president for bipartisanship and the senators for bipartisanship. I didn't know it was all set up. I didn't know it was the Montel Williams show all over again. Didn't realize that. But that's exactly what it has turned out to be. And so how will this play out now, Gary? I really don't know. But I know the senators who are who went over to the White House where have worked out a bipartisanship agreement they better look at the puddle underneath their feet because there's blood. And if they found a little twitch in their back, it's because the knife did go in pretty deep. And, you know, you're not the same as you were when you walked into the White House and made that deal. You may think you are, but you're not. And if Joe Biden is not even willing to go in front of the cameras and, and clarify whether he just me, you know, that, that's even further documentation that he knew what he did when he knew what he did. I like to talk, uh, you know, Democrat talk. And so what we have to do is, as citizens, not just Republicans and Democrats, 
and I mean the media as well, just let the facts play themselves out. Just, just let it all play itself out. I don't know how it's going in. Um, there are a lot of scenarios that could happen in this situation. I'm not going to make a prediction on that at this point, but I think that it's very sad that when the Republicans are reaching out to President Biden to work with him, that he did this to them. And then he tried to turn it around in a, in a press release and say he didn't really mean to do what he did when he did it because he knew he was doing it. Yeah, that's Democrat speak again. It's sad. And it really is sad. And it's sad because it's going to affect our country. When one way or the other, whichever direction they go in, the trust has been broken, or as they say, the horses already left the barn. So now you have to try to put the horses back into the barn when you don't even know where the horses are. So it's not a good situation. So the Department of Justice came down on Georgia's recent voting rights law. What are your thoughts on it? Well, Gary, I, I don't know exactly uh, all the particulars of the of the case, other than I saw bits and pieces of the of the press conference that the Justice Department had, um, but I don't know all the particulars of the bill, the Georgia bill. I, I know that it in response to what we saw was a COVID election, and you had uh, you know 1.3 or so million voters just in the state of Georgia that voted uh, by mail, and which was a you know a record number. Uh, we had. Uh, some unusual practices that that took place because of COVID, and I believe that a lot of people are trying to trying to roll it back to to a more normal type of uh, election cycle. I mean, after all, if you look at the 2008 election cycle and 2012 election cycle, um, you know, no one ever screamed voter suppression at all because in 19 in 2012, more black people voted percentage wise than white people. And so the, the, the laws we had in place uh, prior to COVID, obviously were pretty damn good because, you know, 2012, black people voted at a record number. 2008, they voted at a record number. 2012, they, they surpassed that and even surpassed people that voted who were black than white people. In other words, there's something like 74% of black people voted in 2012 while only like 69% of white people voted, something of that nature. I don't have the exact numbers with me, but it was something of that nature. Historic, never happened before. And so we don't have any fundamental problems, but you know they've been adding things, Gary. One of the things that they added was, uh, and I'm not sure when this was added, but you know back in the day when I you know, when was running for office, we didn't have Sunday voting. But now you know Sunday voting is was something that they had, and now I guess the Justice Department feel that they should still have that. But how is Sunday voting discriminatory against blacks? I know they're going to say, well, black people go to, I mean, you have to go, if you have to give a paragraph to give an answer, that's usually not really a genuine answer. Because the bottom line of it is, Sunday voting, it, was, it affects white people. White, it doesn't, I don't see how you could say that's a racial thing. You know, it's, do white people own Sunday because of some reason that white people don't go to church and more? I don't, I don't understand how Sunday becomes something that is racial. You know, I, I just don't understand that. You know, that, I think that's kind of, especially when you have, you can vote early, they give, they give you a number of days in which you can vote early. So that's one of the that one of the claims that the Justice Department is making. The second com the complaint that I heard from the Justice Department in the, the news conference, and I didn't hear the whole news conference, was 
they instituted drop boxes. We're like mailboxes just for boats that you can just drive to your to a certain point and just drop your absentee ballot in a mailbox, you know, in your community or whatever. And then somebody will come by and pick up those mailboxes and bring them to, to the place to, to be counted. Well, back in the day, we didn't have that. We didn't have any drop by some boxes. What the hell was that? So they're saying that because a lot of the mailboxes were in black areas and now they're going to take away the mailboxes, then that's discriminatory toward black people. Well, let me tell you, in 2008, you didn't have that, okay? And who got elected? Barack Obama. 2012, we didn't have drop boxes. Who got elected? Barack Obama. Now, for every year before that, did we have drop boxes? No, we didn't have that. Why were drop boxes instituted? Because of COVID. Now, thank God COVID's going in the right direction. Hopefully, the deviant aspect of it or doesn't, the variation of it does not, you know, cause a negative effect to the country or the world. But the bottom line of it is, it was only because of that, folks, that we were trying to keep people away from being close to other people. So, why do we have drop boxes, period? Why can't people make it to the normal place to drop off or the mail or whatever their, their absentee ballot? Why do we have to do these things? And, and secondly, I know you're saying that the flex black people have more drop boxes in that area than there. But technically speaking, it's it, white and black people can use drop boxes. But yes, because you've already orchestrated a, a situation where you put more drop boxes in black areas, so any type of reduction of black boxes in black areas can be deemed as being discriminatory because you're reducing the likelihood of, I mean, go ahead with your explanation. I sure hope the Supreme Court, if it gets there, just laughs it out of court. I mean, it doesn't even take it up because it's really silly. And the last one is even more silly, and that is, Food in lines. Okay. I don't care if you're giving people $100 bills. Once you get to a certain point, you can't be talking to the voters. It's been like that. Oh, let me see. We figure it along. Forever. Well, here's their explanation. Because in black areas, they don't have as many machines in the black areas. The lines are really long in the black voting places. So people are in line longer. So that means that by the time they're going to get the vote, they're going to get hungry and they're going to get thirsty. So they're going to be, you know what the solution is, folks? Put more damn voting machines in the black areas or have another voting area. Simple, not hard, simple solution. So the fact that people want to intervene and give people, you know, you can't do that. You never could do that when you get to a certain point. If you're not at that certain point in the line, you could do anything you want with the people. I used to stand out in front of voting places all the time. I have workers standing out, out in front of, of voting places all the time on my behalf. But once you got to a certain point, you can't do it anymore. That's all they're saying. But no, that's discriminatory toward black people. Okay. So what, this, what they should be looking at doing Mr. Justice Department, is the Catholic Church, okay? That's what you should be looking at. I filed a complaint. I'm waiting for, hopefully you're working diligently on this, because this is far more important than the nonsense that you're talking about. Sunday vote, oh, wow. Drop boxes, which you never had before? Oh, that's a really bad thing. Stopping people, handing them things once they get close to vote? Oh, that's never done before. Okay. Here's what you should be looking at, folks. If the Catholic Church and their Catholic schools 
close inner city schools for black people and brown people and keep the white ones open, that's what you should be fighting for. The elimination of equal access to a Catholic education by the Catholic church, who last time I checked was had their hands off with COVID money. Oh, that, and that's federal money. That's what you should be fighting for. Fight for the black kids in the in, in American Justice Department. In the city of Waterbury and in Connecticut, they have the Archdiocese of Hartford has eliminated all inner city schools over a 10 to 20 year period. The last one being Sacred Heart High School, my alma mater. That should be the civil rights issue for the entire nation to know about. How can they do that and get away with it? Oh, guess what they did with many of the school monies that they received when they sell or rent their buildings, these schools out. They spent millions of dollars paying off pedophile cases. In fact, as recently as just a few months ago in Waterbury area, in the Archdiocese of Hartford. That's what you should be fighting for, Justice Department. You hear that, Attorney General Garland? You hear that, Attorney General, Assistant Attorney General Clark? And you went to school in Connecticut. You know all about Sacred Heart High School, because I think you went to choke. So hopefully you're listening, and hopefully you're going to do something about this. It's sinful. It's sad. It's criminal, potentially. It's damn wrong. Don't let them get away with it. That's what you should be fighting for, not whether or not someone can get a drink of water when they're standing in a line, just fix it and put more machines. That, that's all you have to do, or just open up another facility. That's all you have to do. We don't need damn drop boxes, okay? People can't get their bucks down to the right place to get their vote in. Too damn bad. And you have all these days and weeks to vote absentee or vote early. Come on, give me a break. And Sunday, come on, 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 come <laughs> on. Don't give me this long paragraph about black people going to church on Sunday. I love it. I got to church. Well, you have come out of church, go to church. No, 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 no. no, no. We're not that special, okay? Black people, we're not that special. We're not that special. Bottom line of it is, we're like everybody else. We have all these other days and weeks to vote. I think we can get it done. I don't think we need that much help to be able to vote. And keep in mind, record setting voting 2008 surpassed by record setting voting in 2012 for black people. And let's talk call like it is. Obviously the voting was enormous this time around, but that was a COVID election in which we had, you know, obviously uh, you know, different kind of rules. So Justice Department, hopefully you got this message. I know you got my complaint. Department of Education, they don't want to deal with it until you deal with it, Justice Department. And so, you know, we're depending on you to step in and do the right thing. Let's not have separate but equal. And that's what they're doing. Catholic education in the state of Connecticut is only in white areas. Okay, if that's all right with you, Justice Department, you feel good with about this, that's fine. Okay. Just tell America that it's, you know, Catholic Church, they can just have Catholic schools in white areas and they can close all of their inner city schools, public grammar schools, public middle schools. Let's close them off because they help black people and brown people. Wait, they can close them and it's all right with us. Do your job, DOJ, please. Don't forget to subscribe.